0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Chat Shit, Get Fit, the Myths. This is the series where we explore various myths in the health and fitness industry, giving you our thoughts and of course coming in with the latest scientific data as well. This week we tackle a really hot one. We look at form, technique and posture. Now, if I was going to show the average person a few pictures of various lifts and postures, I could be fairly sure of the outcome of their response. There is a consensus on what is good and bad form and what is good and bad posture and And something we're going to stress throughout this entire podcast is that we're not saying that form, technique and posture isn't important. The main angle today really is in regards to things like pain and injuries in regards to those aspects. This is a fairly long episode, but it's really, really important. Just by going to some of the polls I've done and myself and Tom speaking to others out there in the, in the community, there really is that one dimensional approach to these things that needs tackling. So yeah, go ahead, remove those blinkers and come into this ready to learn, ready to, so open your mind a little bit maybe. Uh, and I remember a lot of the information we do say today is backed by data. So if you do check out the show notes, you'll be able to find all the stuff we referenced throughout all the studies. Um, Just so you know, we're not just pulling random information out of our arse and spreading misinformation. Anyway, let's get into this week's episode. Good evening, Tom. Good evening, Beale. What was
1: that? I don't know. It's an interesting way to pronounce it. Beale. Sound like a Bond villain. Ah, a bit, a bit, a bit Polish, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a Bit Polish. Oh, here we go. Ten seconds in, you've never offended the Polish community. I mean, oh fucking hell! I mean, thank fuck, Andy's not with us. Obviously, you know, because he would be in uproar.
0: Right. What's going? Anyway, on? let's let's get to the, let's get to the juice of it. So we are back with a, a myths episode. Now we've had a break from the series. So this might, you up be like myths. What, I thought this was ended. I thought you lot wrecked it around myths roundup. However, it's always a myth. It's come to our attention in the last few weeks. Um, more, I mean, it's always been around, but we just see more and more of it sort of crop about the whole thing about form, technique, and posture. Now, me and Tom, obviously, we're going to go into what we think. Uh, there's there's a clear perception of what other people think out there in the world. So we thought, right, this needs to get tackled ASAP. Um, so we're going to come back with this. But before we get into it, we need to address one issue. So if you were with us last week, so not on the last Myths episode, because if you are just listening to the Myths series or you've just gone back and listened to this one particular episode, uh, this what I'm about to say me will mean nothing to you and you'll be like, what the fuck is this podcast about? I thought you were going to be talking about form. However, we're going to be talking about giant straws out in the ocean being switched from blow to suck. Now, if, <laughs> let, me, let me give you some context. Last week we did our live podcast special to celebrate our one year anniversary. And one of our uh, live audience members sort of confronted us on one of our conspiracies. Now, we had a conspiracy that the uh, oil rigs that you see out in the sea are actually giant straws siphoning food down to monsters such as the Ness Monster. And then we went on to a conspiracy about the Titanic being a, an insurance scam. And then the, the audience member, Ryan, said, was it actually the straws being switched from blow to suck causing the Titanic issue? Now, Tom, um, I think we've got a bit further into this now, didn't we?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, mate. Um, once Ryan mentioned that, I, I really struggled to sleep that night because <laughs> my mind was just absolutely blown. Um, and I mean, <clears throat> look it's very, very likely that it's this exact thing that has kind of caused these tensions between France and Britain lately. So, I mean, I I don't know if... Do you keep up with politics, Bill? You know? Uh, Yeah, I like to dabble. Yeah, I like to dabble, which is why I know a lot about what we're about to talk about, which is, you know, the whole feeding system with these oil rigs. But basically, it's been a bit of a tab... A bit of a tab? Fucking hell. There's been a bit of a tiff at the moment. Oh, tab. Don't fucking think about tabs. Oh, God. I'm already feeling blisters just thinking about it. The old no effect. Right, switching back on now. Uh, There's recently been a bit of a tiff between the UK and France. Oh, the the French Navy and, you know, Her Majesty's Navy. About fishing stuff, yeah. Well, they say it's about fishing. I mean, technically it could be. But, you know, I mean, I, I think what's really happened is... It's over this whole, you know, feeding monsters it, oil rigs. It's, it's basically due to do territories, over the sea. Um, but what I reckon's happened... I say I reckon, I know this has happened because I've got a mate who's heard this from his mate, who's a uh, sergeant in the Navy. <laughs> um, and basically, <laughs> what's happening is uh, we, well, the, the you know... The British Navy was uh, actually taking Nessie, the Loch Ness monster, out for a walk in in the right. sea. Uh, basically, what they do is, uh, you know, we've got that big new aircraft carrier. They say it's an aircraft carrier, the, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the Elizabeth. That's actually a big device, like a, a it's, it's like a dog walking capability, but for the sea. So it's a lead that? it's like a massive it's a lead. lead it's like an anchor right. but it's, it's transferred into a lead and basically it was like taking Nessie out for a walk basically <laughs> trying to get her 10,000 steps in and like the French were passing by you know a bit fucking grassy to be honest with you they've kind of got like a have you got like a permit to be walking that but in the end the French did bottle it um, right. but yeah like uh, that's what that was over basically Nessie was had her feed from the feeding tubes and she went out for a long walk, you know, to walk it off. The French saw it. They was like, no, you shouldn't be fucking walking out without a permit. And we were just like, you know, fuck off. And, you know, <laughs> right. as I said, I like to keep up with my politics. And yeah, I thought it was all very interesting.
0: I feel, I feel like that doesn't address the issue of... Um, the, what the was we talking about? From, the straws being switched from blow to suck. I feel like you've just added to the original conspiracy. by, <laughs> In the in the, the sort of... um. I want to be evidence-based here? I'm not too sure that these oil rigs even existed at the time. Oil
1: rigs are real.
0: I'm not saying they're not real. I'm not. You say oil rigs to...
1: aren't real? Have you ever seen yeah. an oil
0: rig? Oh for fuck's sake! Oh, what have I started? What have I, I done? I
1: actually haven't seen one in person. Have you ever seen one in person? Have you seen no, an oil rig? Normally, have you seen an oil rig? Yeah, yes they're or they're no? Have far far you out. seen an oil rig? No.
0: <laughs> no have you seen I'm an oil rig to... with your own eyes? Yes or no? No. No. I haven't either. Just saying. Right. Before I get set you off again, let's let's get let's go on to the episode before everyone thinks what the fuck is going on. Uh, because you've probably clicked to this episode because you want to find out what our thoughts are on um form, technique, and posture. So what do we mean when we talk about incorrect slash improper form slash posture? So the way I think about it straight away, it's going to be very personal to your own beliefs, isn't it? So for example, a couple of examples got read down here is a half squat to a CrossFit judge will be a no rep. So that for them would be bad technique. Um, A curved spine deadlift will be seen as inherently wrong and seen as an injury waiting to happen. Now obviously we're going to go into what we think about that however... Uh, me and Tom we've both got a couple of examples here so why well, I did I did some polls uh, on Instagram to see what people's perception was about any context and then Tom's also got some uh, actual real live um, sort of stuff from his uh, workshops he's been doing in the gym where he's been speaking to sort of people new to fitness and what they think of deadlift stuff so I'll go into the, the poll which the results weren't very surprising I'll actually go through some of the stuff I got from people as well people actually got in touch it was very uh, it's a very engaging poll so the first one was is this bad slash will cause injury? So what I'll do is I'll quickly, for people who are watching on YouTube, if they're watching any of these clips, I'll show the picture. So I showed this picture. So this is the picture I put up and I basically said, is this bad slash will cause injury? And a whopping 67% 67 of people said yes and then 33% of people said no. And then what I did was I pulled a bit of a funny, which I thought was going to trick people out and it, it definitely did. So the next picture I showed was this. And this is a strong man picking up an Atlas Stone. Now, I'd argue he is more bent over and more curved than the first one. Um, So if you go by that logic, people who voted that the first one was bad should be voting for this one being bad as well. However, if I now go to my poll results it was only 21% of people said that that one was bad. So the first one was 67, the second was 21. So everyone said the Atlas Stone lift was fine. It's not bad, it's not going to cause injury. Um, and then the final one I did with, was I asked which posture will lead to more pain. Now, I got a couple of people messaging because they they understood the there was no right answer for this one. Um, but a lot of people did obviously put an answer. And this is the picture I showed. So if that just focuses in, is that, can you see that? It's all right, Tom?
1: I can't see fuck all there, mate.
0: So, go, using right. our new technology. there you go. Happy day. There you go. Right. So, you can see the one on the left that, will the left is on the on the camera there is obviously upright, straight, and the other one is curved over. So, I asked which one do people think is going to lead to more pain. Um, and obviously, to no surprise, which I didn't expect this to be any different, and a whopping 81% of people said that the curved, uh, the sort of leaning over posture was going to lead to more pain. Um, so, that was people's sort of perception. And I said, I've got loads of votes on these, got really good feedback. Um, and I'll quickly just go off with a couple of messages I've got sent actually because they're worth they're worth reading. Um, so if I go to one guy, so this guy was uh, I had some really good discussion with people actually, and so people made some good points. I just want to stress, I think Tom was going to stress this anyways, that we're not saying that form and technique doesn't matter. I'm going to keep repeating that throughout yeah, this whole not, episode. 100, we're not we're not trying to say fuck your form, it doesn't matter. Lift however you want to lift. Alexa, however,
1: set a reminder for every 10 minutes.
0: <laughs> every 10 minutes, we'll get on. One guy basically, he re- when he realised how many people said no to the first one, he was like, oh, "Why the fuck did they say no?" So then I basically questioned, saying, "Why? Why do you think that?" Because I, I was, I, I'm not, I, you know, I'm up for discussion. when I hear what people think, so. They basically put, well, considering the deadlift movement is started by a hinge at the hip, he's far too hunched over. You should always pull your shoulder blades back in order to create the correct posture for the movement, and this will aid in not pushing too much, put in too much pressure through the lower back. Surely, an arched over back means that you'll lift more with your back and not through your quads and ass. Uh, so obviously, that's basically saying surely you're going to lift more your back than your legs. Um, and they've also put in like little speech bubbles, um, textbook answer. So yeah, there's obviously is a way that people are taught how to deadlift. Which is completely fine. You should be taught that way of doing a deadlift. Nothing wrong with that. However, the issue we're having is by people saying, "If you is do it inherently dangerous, thing, yeah, is it inherently wrong." So I basically went along, yeah, I get what you saying, blah blah blah. I go into it. Um, and then I said, how did you vote on the next one? So I questioned, how did you vote on the Atlas Stone one? Um, but they basically doubled down. They didn't say what I thought. They were, I was going to say they said 100% that's wrong because he's like too far forward. So obviously he's, they're basically saying he's obviously really hunched over as well. Uh, they didn't agree with that type of And It's basically they... They don't like the whole strongman uh, modality in itself. So at this point, I was kind of like, okay, I'll let them rattle off because at this point, they're clearly biased towards um, hating. They, they obviously hate the sport, so they're not going to say anything good about it regardless. Know your um, audience. Yeah, exactly. So I, I sort of was like, yeah, cool, whatever. Uh, but then I asked, so oh – yeah, sorry, this is where it sort of got me. They said um, they wouldn't mind strongman, Obviously, if there was a lighter weight and you can lift it safely and properly, I'm all for it. At that point, I said, "So, is there any evidence to say that that way of lifting is inherently more dangerous than, you know, than anything else?" Um, and they basically said, "I have to do some digging." Uh, at that point, I was thinking, "Well, you can do some digging. You're not going to find anything." Um, but they did. They did have a bit of a saving grace here. So they basically said, "So, personally, I'd say, for example, safely." is not using a weight too heavy and using brute force to pick up regards to technique. so they're kind of highlighting what we're going to go down is about it's all about load which you'll hear you're going to hear that time and time again yeah. on this podcast spoiler load, alert. Load, load, load. <laughs> yeah spoiler alert um and then we kind of yeah we just sort of finished it there which is really important and then someone said on the posture one so They said maybe in the long run, the one on the right, so when they said the one on the right, they mean the guy who was upright straight, you know, the person who was upright straight in the posture. So you know, like the the stereotypical upright, nice and proud posture, blah, blah, blah. So they said maybe in the long run, that one will help with posture and back pain, but I find actively holding the pose on the right become hard work and are hard to maintain. And basically that is because they're not used to that posture. Their posture might be that curved over one they're used to. And because they're trying to force themselves to be in that upright position, it's probably being uncomfortable. Because when you put your body into positions you're not used to, like if you do a flexibility routine where you've got to hold these weird yoga poses, sometimes it's uncomfortable because your body's not used to being in that position. Um, not only that, but like spending too much time
1: in one single position eventually becomes uncomfortable anyway. You know, I mean, like even like when you're sit on the train, we tend to kind of like, shuffle about a little bit. When we're standing up, we yeah, can of course shuffle we do, up yeah. a little bit. I mean, something I've uh, mentioned a good couple of times is that even if you were standing in absolute optimal, optimal alignment, neutral spine, you know, eventually, that's going to come uncomfortable as well. The best way to imagine this is with uh, soldiers. Now, anyone that has spent time in the British Army or any military setting, let's just say, because uh, I think there is a military outside the UK, isn't there? In other countries. Yeah. Uh,
0: we, <laughs> think we, so, we, yeah
1: we, we beat them all anyway, so whatever. But, I mean, um, <laughs> you know, if you're stood to attention for a long time, absolutely ran right straight, it becomes uncomfortable pretty quickly. Yeah. You does, know, you're right. if you see the Queen's Guard, don't me on, they will adapt to it because it is, you know, literally their day job. But it, it's still uncomfortable, you know. It is uncomfortable spending too much time in one single position. Eventually, you're going to want to kind of shuffle about a little bit,
0: and that might even mean slouching forward a little bit. And we're going to come on to why the, the, the whole thing about that. Um, a couple more, a couple more before we move on to Tom's um, uh, work uh, deadlift and squat workshop. So, another person got in touch, um, and what they said that, that to be fair to this person, they're really good. They basically took it on board like that. We I went into like full depth of them, um, and they basically said. Um, on the first one with the hunched over deadlift, they said depends if his back stays fixed in that position throughout the lift and it's it's fine, but only unsafe if the spine moves whilst under load. Um, and now, Tom, you sent me a message about that saying that's what you used to think. And then obviously your mind's now changed, which is what we're going to go into anyway. We'll go into we that on.
1: deeper. I want to try and like break yeah. things down step by step. But that used, to be, that used to be my line of thinking that, okay, if you're going to lift with a bent back, as long as that you 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 end in that same kind of bent back position as well, but mm, you know I'm an advocate of the Jefferson curl, so you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the final thing was obviously Dean Dean uh, Dean piped up, and uh, as you've, uh, if you've if you're a long term listener to the podcast, you know Dean really knows his stuff, and he basically sent me like a whole. That's the guy uh, with the, the mustache. Classic- the guy with the moustache, the guy with the moustache, that's the one. Um, he, he basically said, it depends, which is like our classic podcast slogan, it depends. And then he sent me basically a couple of voice notes, basically going through a whole list of things why it would depend, such as where you are in your training cycle, your basically things like training age, uh, what your goals are. So obviously, if your goal is to be a, a competitive Olympic weightlifter, technique is going to be a lot more different uh, a priority to you than if you were just someone who's a beginner to deadlift, for example. Um He's gone about like how you feel that day, so your current status of mind and body. There's a whole list of things he went through and he kind of finalized it by saying he's getting sick and tired of the people out there who are perfectionists, people who think that perfect movement exists, people who basically say that you shouldn't be moving unless it's perfect. And he basically, we're all different. Everybody everybody's moves differently. We are all different people in our heads, in our body. And the, the quicker we can accept that, the quicker we can stop being, um, you know, yeah perfectionists with that you know rigid attitude of you must move like this and yeah he did, He said that really well mm. no dean knows he's kung fu he does and we've got him on in a few weeks actually he'll be he'll be back on in a few weeks uh so that'd be that'd be good anyway uh tom what did you so you've been having some deadlift work. i mean we had a bit of a laugh about your deadlift workshops a couple of weeks ago did you get more than two people this time <laughs> uh, yeah i'd four oh. today yeah four? <laughs> um to be honest a little old uh not a
1: mixed bag actually Ooh. A mixed bag, which is really nice to see. I had youngsters. I had uh, a youngster to me now is anyone below 30. That's just the way it works now. But yeah, I had like uh, young people. Uh, one, I'm assuming she was in her late teens. I didn't really ask. for
0: it would be rude to oh. ask. 20. You got the two before as well, the two, the two oldies. they turn up again, did
1: Nope, nope. Um, however, they are in my squat workshop tomorrow. And they've also decided to join my boot camp on Tuesday. Really? Which they are soon to regret. Because it's very different from a
0: workshop. <coughs> um, it is. That reminds me, Tom. Before we before you move on, Ellie did mention something about a key, car key trick. Was it last week? And you you did promise everyone that you were going to explain that on the next episode, which is this episode. A car key trick. Well, the yeah, what was it? The, was it the key trick or car key trick? Do you remember, was I drinking again on the podcast? What, what was I No, like? Ellie said it because you said something about swingers. You, she said with they swingers then Ellie said I oh, was at the old car key trick or something and you went oh she's a woman of culture you've never,
1: oh, you've never heard of the car key
0: no I've never heard of it is. you said you were oh going to explain God. it to everyone because I'm sure I'm not the only one who has no idea what it is
1: well, if you, uh, you say that we've probably got one listener going. Oh yes, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I know. Well, it's yeah. back in. Uh, I think it's more of like an early nineties thing. Really, you used to go to a house party. I don't know why I'm saying. Like I'm fucking involved in this. I'm not in. I just know of it. You know, You're I, heavily I, involved in the I just, I just, I just, well. I, 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 I just read things on Reddit. Um, but it's basically where you go to a house party, <laughs> uh, and everyone throws uh, their car keys into a bowl. Right. And uh, the women will take turns in uh, coming up to the bowl and they will pick out a random set of car keys. Whatever's car keys they pick out is who they're going
0: home with that night. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, as I said, like, I just got this off of uh, whatever I said I got it off before. Definitely not from personal experience. And the that's thing, the thing purpose, is, like it's it? in front of everyone. So if you end up closing your eyes and picking up something that's like a Volkswagen Beetle sorry you've still got to go with that person straight away you're like oh fuck this is going to be someone that looks like Mr Magoo innit you know <laughs> but like uh, straight away you can kind of tell from the car keys who you're kind of going well, home with just yeah. if you pick up like a you know Lamborghini or or you know you you, you pick up like a, a set of car keys like a Game of Thrones key you know, you're like oh yeah here we go like this is going to really? kick off tonight well, yeah like the hand of the kin or something like that you're like oh fuck yeah you pick up something that's like a fucking anime key and you're like, I'm scared.
0: <laughs> we are literally, I mean, that segment there needs to, I think that whole entire segment needs to go on the apology list, Tom. Get out, get the, get the apologies I mean, out. Get if you, out.
1: If you like pick up a set of car keys and someone's uh, running medals are on there, you're going to oh. be like, oh yeah, this guy's got lots of stamina, however this was
0: like five years ago. They're not attached to your car key, Tom. Please tell me you've not attached your Tough Mudder No, but I am
1: considering case. it now.
0: <laughs> Size of them. I
1: oh, know. That's oh, what geez. she said.
0: If you are new to the show, welcome. This is where we, we do evidence chat shit based and get fit at the same research. time. Yeah, the old evidence base, yeah, research, yeah, all that, that stuff. That fit. We like to have a bit of fun as well, don't we? So anyway, we do. talk to me. What was that? So you said a bit offline before about how it was interesting to hear their perception because they were all new to this. So that's why yeah. they're doing the workshop because they're new to it. So come. Uh,
1: so yeah, fun. basically I work for a commercial gym and very recently some of the COVID restrictions have been lifted, which means classes are back. Um, I don't, apart from the one boot camp, I don't take standard fitness classes. I actually do workshops. One being the barbell squat, another being the barbell deadlift. Now both those exercises have quite a bit of fear surrounding them because one, a barbell is this big scary thing especially when you take normies down to the power racks where it's seen that, no, you have to be like a, I mean, kind of spoiling fins now, but like you take people down and they, they, they assume they don't belong there because they're not these big hulking beefcakes you know, as I said, like I had um, it was it was mostly women, most of my workshops are women and they're all different age ranges some that have never touched a barbell in their life I've got some approaching, you know, 60. I've got some in their early teens, some in 20s, 30s, 40s, a mixture. And it has just, like, because this past year, I've just mostly been doing one-on-one with my clients, and now I'm suddenly exposed to, like, more of a general public and people that are absolutely brand new to these kind of movements. It's kind of enlightened me to what the public's, like, beliefs are in general about these movements, you know, and some are saying, like, um, am I kind of like allowed to be down here in this in in these racks because you know I'm only going to be using a barbell? Is it seen as wrong if I'm only using a barbell? And I'm not putting plates on it because at the end of the day, it's a twenty kilo barbell. For some people, that is the workout with that load. I've had some people saying you know, well isn't this going to be bad for your back? Should you be moving with your legs, not doing that thing with your back? You know, and it's, my workshops I'm only allowed to do half hour at a time. <clears throat> and in that half hour, can you imagine all the stuff I've got to try and disassemble and then rebuild their belief system
0: all whilst teaching it? You've got to almost like get a quick you've got you've got to be so quick, like five minutes, you've got to establish what their thoughts are then uh, tailor your lesson to so you get. And as each much person's back an individual buck, as well. It it's not like a yeah, single so so one think- person you basically got to pick your battle, haven't you? Because you've got to think, well, what can I do today that's going to make the most impact on all of these people? And you've got to work out in five minutes, well, what are their beliefs At what level of training are they at? Yeah, and
1: you know what the best thing I've just been doing, mate, is I've literally just been um, getting them to perform the movement and just building self-efficacy. It's like, you're doing the movement, that looks good to me. Let's change your technique a little bit. Let's optimise your form a little bit. Now, this is ironic, isn't it? Because we're talking about form. And we're here saying, oh, you know, there's no good form, there's no bad form. But as we mentioned earlier, and we will keep reminding our listeners, we're not saying that form and technique doesn't matter. We're just saying that in the context of pain and injury and inherent danger to your spine, it probably doesn't matter as much as what you may think or believe. But in regards to efficiency or or the task at hand, then it might matter. If I was one of those people saying form doesn't matter at all, technique doesn't matter at all, then ask yourself this, why the fuck am I teaching a workshop for these movements? If I didn't think form mattered at all, technique didn't matter at all, why am I taking these workshops? What do you think I'm teaching people? And we will kind of go more into this later on, but yeah, it, it's, it's those things where I simply get them doing the movements and quickly giving them techniques and little tweaks here and there depend on the individual. And each person can kind of see what I'm doing to each individual so that they can kind of have something to chew on as I'm doing it. Like, oh, okay, maybe I should try that. And it might not work for them because everyone's built differently, you know. But basically, just by getting them to do the movement straight away, we've broken down that fear barrier. You've done the movement. Has it killed your back? Are you in pain? Are you enjoying it? Happy days. And straight away, We've broken down a barrier. And that to me, in half space of half hour, that's what matters. That is what matters. Just getting them to do it and make them feel confident and let them know as well. I did give like a bit of a prep talk at the end, admittedly. (laughs) Let them know that, you know, you, you guys do belong here. It don't matter if you're male, female, if it's just a barbell you're lifting. You know, you belong here. It doesn't matter, and all this scary equipment—these big power racks, big plates, big iron, heavy barbells caked in chalk—they are just inanimate objects. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Argos trying to flog you these fins, but painted in pink and purple. You know, it's just an inanimate object. It's not going to hurt you. Every single one of you belong in there. You know, and
0: yeah, like that. but it's. So- My question would be simply is that why do people think less? And I basically, I like this, I love this quote, I always say it is that people hate what they don't understand. So, because because John Smith on YouTube who's stacked as fuck like an absolute machine and he says X Y Z it must be true and everyone else is stupid and wrong and people like to surround themselves in these little echo chambers of people who are like people who come across as very authoritarian very brute very sort of bruntish almost almost bullying in a way kind of that attitude is people like to be people like to be, have an alpha in their life people like that I don't want to say father figure because we're getting a bit fucking like psychologically but no I do like see myself dominant, as a father figure. People like that dominance in their life. So if someone big and loud and strong has said, you must not do this this is the right way if you remember people are like yeah i love that and because they're so ingrained in that person's personality that they ignore anyone else and they say yeah but this person said this this person said that so basically what i'm saying is is that i reckon people think like this because of what they've been told and they like to say safe in the echo chamber tunnel vision and when you challenge these beliefs it's a bit differently so what i'm going to do now is before we move on i want to challenge people's perception a little bit so i want you to forget good form and bad form and I want you to think about it as load. So this is something we're going to say quite a lot in this podcast, is load. So the movements we perform will just apply load differently. That's what I'm getting at, okay? So um, if we perform any movement in a periodized fashion, uh, regardless of form, our bodies will adapt uh, and our tissues are now basically to be more resilient to that technique. So what I mean by that is, is if we are in a good periodized training program, regardless of of our technique and form, our bodies will adapt and our tissues will become more resilient to however we've decided to move that load. The issue... Is going to come if we're not in a periodized training fashion. So if we just go in every day and we are just hit he- lifting as heavy as we can, we're not thinking about a periodized training program. That's when the issue comes, and that's nothing to do with how you're lifting that barbell. So I want to bring something which is quite interesting. So me and me and Tom were looking at some papers by Tim Gabbett, and what's interesting is that uh, where I work in, in a military uh, gym gymnasium where I work, uh, the the guy who runs that gym he was talking with the head physio about uh, Tim Gabbett and his approach to acute and chronic loading. So now we were looking at it from the military perspective of why are soldiers getting injured? And we looked at acute loading and chronic loading. So if you're not aware of that, is acute loading is, is for example, if I was to go and holiday- Throw the weight on. yeah. So if I was to go on holiday for two weeks now, let's say two, three weeks on holiday, did nothing at all, and then I come back and I then decide to do a 10-mile best effort followed by one RM deadlift, one RM bench press. Well, that is acute loading. Chronic loading is where we load ourselves over a longer period of time. So I would come back and go, actually, you know what? I'm going to start on this low thing and then I'm going to chronically load myself over time. So this guy, Tim Gabbett, he mentions how under-training could actually lead to a higher risk Uh, injury risk and that high chronic workload actually reduce injury so what he means is is if you're under training the issue with that is is you're not giving your body enough time to adapt and you're not giving your you're not allowing your tissues like i said to become more resilient and that's why he's basically he was saying that under training could lead to higher injury and that high chronic workload so actually doing a lot more work but doing it over in a chronic pattern is actually going to reduce injury because we're adapted we become more resilient Um, and basically the issue with most injuries as we spoke about basically comes down to acute loading so regardless of good and bad form we've said this before if you do too much too soon you're at higher risk of injury due to adaptations not taking place because you're not letting your body that line rest and recover doing too much too soon too much too soon so too much too soon really as we go forward now forget about good form bad form think about good load and bad load if you're doing so this obviously we're biased because me and Tom are both in the fitness industry are both with trainers so we're obviously gonna be biased in that you need help from a trainer because if you've not got help and you have no idea about periodized training programs or anything to do with programming the odds are you could be doing too much too soon you've got no idea about your own load management you're just going to the gym and thinking I'll do this today oh, tomorrow I'll just do this I'll just do that your body's never going to adapt uh, and then you'll injure yourself doing a deadlift. Someone will look at you and go, your back was a bit curved there. That's probably why you injured yourself. When really, it was probably because you were doing your 1RM every single day, um, not because you were lifting it that way. So as we go forward, think about that. Do um, you want anything to add on that, Tom, before we move on?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm going to repeat that again. Doing too much too soon. How <laughs> much do, you know, I, I, I feel like I need to get this tattooed on my fucking head. Because this is something that I mention to people all the time, and they adapt. But in regards to chronic load, uh, chronic workload versus you know, you right? no, chronic load versus like acute load, acute, yeah. it is that it is a lot of it is doing periodization. Now, at the end of the day, as humans, we are adaptable, and as i want to talk about later, we're adaptable through varied movement, varied postures, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, using different techniques. But we have to allow for recovery as well. For the adaptation to eventually take place. Now, uh, something I do kind of mention very quickly in my workshops is that exercise and adaptation, it's like a medicine. It depends on the dose. The results you get depend on the dose. Let's imagine you've got a headache and you take some painkillers, some paracetamol. If you take a, a quarter of a paracetamol, chances are nothing's going to happen. Because it's, it's an inappropriate dose. It's, it's too low. It is too low. Now, if you end up taking a whole box of paracetamol, well, well, obviously something very bad is going to happen, you know, because the dose is way too much. But if you take the correct dose, then something is going to happen. And exercises like that, if you do too little, you know, it's actually going to make you weak and fail. It's always just, it's not going to do anything, you know. Kind of going off of the whole gabbit model here. If you do too much too soon then it's going to lead to fatigue which means you're also not going to be able to recover in time and it means that you're just going to be grinding until eventually I don't want to say you you hurt yourself but you do increase
0: the likelihood
1: I mean we do have research to say that fatigue is actually correlated pretty well with injury and pain as well actually now pain in particular is complicated as you as you know by now But, I mean, in injury in particular, yeah, fatigue is a a massive factor there, a massive factor. But, I mean, um, you know, we have to, in order to adapt, we need to recover as well. And when we're constantly just like throwing on plates, throwing on plates, throwing on plates, RP10 all the time, we're not giving ourselves time to recover. And you know what? This is actually something I see a lot in a commercial gym as well. Um, Very rarely do I see people using 2.5 kg plates. Or even one point two. I'm always using them. Okay, I'm always. That is how I progress, because yeah. that makes sure that I can progressively overload chronically, without doing too much too soon. But instead, what I see is I see lads slapping on ten kilos each time. They believe that that's the only thing they can do. They can only progress or regress. So either they have to constantly regress because they they grind themselves to fail and they have to drop down by ten kilos or they can only increase by 10 kilos because they think that they just have to slap on a big plate. Whereas if they actually take a step back, put their ego in check, and literally just add 1.2 or 2.5 kilos to the bar each time, eventually, after about a month, you've added like what 10 kilos in general anyway. But that's a big problem I see, is that these lads acutely overload themselves constantly every session rather than chronically small dosages. Small thing. you
0: said it there, Tom. One of the issues is probably the ego thing, which obviously I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that all of them are doing it for ego. Another reason could be is that we society, are a society of very much we now, are, now, now, now. We do live in a society. We do live in a society. But they want a now, now, now result. Oh, summer's coming up. I need to get results now, now, now. The issue is it's not a short thing uh, this a journey in fitness is quite a long and strenuous. it's a hard journey I always tell people I, I don't like to tell people things are easy like fitness stuff's easy it's not easy at all it's easy to get into the, the barrier we can remove the barriers so you can get involved in it but if you want if you want to see results it's not easy you have to especially if you want longevity in this yeah. stuff I mean anyone any fucking PT can get you doing hit five times a week and tell you to got a calorie deficit and you'll lose weight brilliant however you're not going to do that for the rest of your life because that is not that's not it's not sustainable
1: at the end of the <laughs> (laughs) You do need some form of periodization, and not only that, but you do need some time for recovery as well. We'll
0: move on to the, the first point then. So this one is the big one is to I mean I showed it in the pictures there and this is deadlifts slash lifting in general. So this is about just lifting any objects off the floor basically. So you've obviously got many variations of deadlift. You've got straight bar, hex bar, Romanian deadlift, all that sort of stuff. And of course we always coach it, don't we? Okay guys, use your back. Uh, sorry, use your legs, don't use your back. <laughs> yeah, boy. Great start. Yeah. Let's go blows, Jefferson's. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we always taught me engage your lats. Head and spine neutral. That's always the big buzzword. Head and spine neutral. I mean, I've been there. When I, if I'm at work and I'm coaching a deadlift, obviously I'm going to coach it like a pam, like a pamphlet, because I'm not going to say to everyone, "Yeah, just bend over and pick that up like any other." Because that's not, that's not how a coach does it. But I'm aware that I'm pissing in the wind because I only spend a short amount of time with these guys, and a lot of them don't give a fuck. So there's no time for adapt adaptation. One session they could be doing it education. The next session, I'm, they're then on a, a, a more of a, an arduous session where they've got to do it for reps, for time, whatever. Um, so at that point, you're like you can try and give them the cues but it's gonna be very difficult but then this is this is the issue isn't it so you get obviously we spoke about volume we got that load and then it's when people start to get heavy so when you get heavy you naturally lose form yeah so we i could spend all day coaching you to engage the lats to keep your head and spine neutral but the moment we start adding a uh, high volume high speed so i'm looking at things like crossfit for example i mean i do crossfit however if someone's new to it you've obviously you know you've got to be careful and this is the issue is if you tell someone to do 21 9 of deadlifts and burpees for example yeah the odds are their deadlift form is going to be over the place Uh, and the issue is someone might get injured doing that if they're new and they've been badly coached and they're they're initially blame it on yeah but look at the way they're deadlifting like people look at CrossFit as doing deadlifts and be like look at the way they look at the way they're deadlifting and i'm thinking no 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 the way they're lifting is efficient they're not thinking about going down, head and spine neutral, engaging lats every time, because they are being told to get that bar up and down 21 times as fast as possible. The difference is an athlete in the sport of CrossFit will have adapted to that speed, to that volume. But then if the issue is, if you're then getting someone new to a CrossFit gym to do that same thing, and they're going at that speed, they're probably getting hurt because they're doing way too much too soon, which is obviously you're going to hear this over and over again. And that's the problem. is When people look at things like CrossFit, or any sort of sport where they've got to lift things up very fast and very quick for time, they look at, at the sport and they think, oh, that's why people would cross get injured. No, it's because they've got shit coaches who are telling them to do these fucking workouts as fast as the speed of knots without any adaptation. And that's the problem. Not because of the way they're lifting it. Um as we'll get to more into the actual science of it as well. We're not just we're not just making this up. We're not just <laughs> We kind of got into it like
1: um One of the biggest like correlations with injury is to do with like fatigue and load management and I actually remember in fact Bill you was there as well when we was in clubhouse that time <laughs> mm. and I actually brought up uh, so we was talk about spicy controversial things and one of those was well CrossFit is not inherently dangerous anymore in any other kind of weightlifting sport and we actually brought up the statistics we brought up the paper that showed how many injuries it was per 1000 hours of training and um, People just weren't accepting it, were they? And one guy, I remember one guy in particular, said, "Oh, well, I've just googled, and it says here there was however many. There was at the last CrossFit Games, there was eleven pec tears. It's like, well, look. First of all, you're comparing, like, when those when we when those one thousand hours were injuries per one thousand hours were tested, that was just CrossFit in general. But you're now comparing it. To a top level event where what's happening there? An acute increase in work. RPE 10. It's not so much because, uh, oh, they're just doing CrossFit. It's fucking an event where it's a competition. There is money on the line here. They need to go RPE fucking 11.
0: You're taking risks. You're taking yeah. risks that you weren't taking training.
1: Yeah. Like, what do you think is going to ha- Where do you think there's going to be more injuries? Uh, a little five a side football match on a Sunday. Or join the World Cup where these lads are on camera, flying in, yeah, they're flying, flying Challenges, and are sprinting hundred knots. Or- you know, they are representing their country. Mm, there yeah. is millions of pounds on the state on the line here. Yeah. You know, it's a bit unfair to compare an event like, you, you know, com- c- compare just like a, a random general pop sport injuries in relative guards to injuries when it's like a high level intense event. No one goes. To their CrossFit box and does the what was it like the two mile run and the three hundred handstand push ups everything else then finish off from another two mile run yeah. no that's 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 not an average CrossFit box workout no that was a high level top tier event and it just really like gave me down down that guy even brought it up it was just like you've completely it happens in every
0: sport doesn't it look at Eddie Hall with yeah. that five hundred kilo lift he had a nosebleed and passed down. <coughs> yeah do you think he I mean yeah. that's because he's pushing his body to the limit because he's doing it for a competition. There I mean, was that powerlifter that literally dropped the
1: bar on his rib cage and fucking died on national television, you know. It it's it was it was just like a mass he completely like misrepresented what the discussion was actually about. And I think he actually got the the date wrong in the first place anyway. It was like a previous one from like 3 years ago, whatever. But yeah, still it was. it still stands. Um, I mean, look. If we could take a quick step back, just one moment, and that is in regards to well, why do people think that a certain form or certain posture is inherently dangerous. For now, we'll just say form of exercises, because just because we're on the topic of deadlift, because deadlift is the big one, isn't it? Yeah. Deadlift yeah. form is what is going to kill you, etc. And straight away, why do people think this? Well, from my understanding, the usual general one is to do with the spine and the vertebrae. And disc herniations and slipped discs, which, by the way, is an increased anterior shear
0: forces on spinal discs, increasing yeah. the risk of injury.
1: Now, the whole idea of this is that if you flex your spine under load, people like to try and explain it as so: with your spine, you've got vertebrae, which is the hard bony well joints, but then in between, you've you 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 know, you've got you've got those, those 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 discs, you know, you've got discs basically. And they're soft and they're spongy because, believe it or not, they're actually designed to move. But people like to think that they're sort of like a jam sandwich where if you put too much pressure on one side of that sandwich, the jam's going to shoot out the other end, which doesn't quite happen, to be honest with you. Yeah, you can have herniations. Um, by the way, you can actually have herniations if your spine's in absolutely perfect neutral position. There is evidence to suggest that. But basically the idea is that if you put too much load on your spine while it's bending like that, then it's gonna shoot your discs out across the other end of the room. Which isn't quite true because actually herniations can occur from very low loads. And as I've already mentioned, they can actually occur during neutral posture. Um, I will kind of I know me and you discuss privately what I kind of like how I kind of talk about like Deadlifts in general, etc. But we'll kind of leave that more towards the end because I can go on to a kind of tangent. But I think that's the biggest, the biggest thought process amongst the general population is that the idea of incorrect form is when you have an overly flexed spine and it's because it's putting too much pressure on one side of the
0: vertebrae, which is going to squish the cartilage and push it out the other end and pinch I mean, nerve you endings. S- you say that, mate. I'd be honest. I'd like, if next, I think people should. If someone scoffs at the idea of someone with a bent spine on a deadlift, just say to them, "Why is why is that wrong?" And I guarantee yeah. most people won't even know. They won't even they won't even think of what you just said. They will go, "Why well, it's just wrong, isn't it? it's, well, it's just wrong? It's it's, well, it's it's wrong, isn't it? Because it, because they've been taught one way, or they've been someone told them yeah. months years ago, whatever. They assume that that is that that is right, regardless of. <laughs> so, I mean,
1: in regards to picking things up with the spine, I'm not going to say that it's inherently dangerous or the cause of injury. But what I'm not going to do is say that it's got nothing to do with technique. What I'm going to stress once again is that we're not saying that form and technique does not matter. But once again, I'll kind of go more into this deeper towards the end. But I just want to kind of quick reminder there,
0: quick reminder. So something I said there was, uh, which led on when Tom was saying what people might think, and that is that the common one in the world of actual people who have, got education in this field is that they reckon that it increases anterior shear forces on spinal discs increasing the risk of injury now there's a lot of data the data that supports this statement sorry is actually normally done on dead humans and animal spines um, so the one there's a couple there's obviously one issue with that is that you can't assume these findings will carry over to living humans because obviously it's very very different human
1: um, bodies can adapt with chronic workload over time absolutely if you give you know for, for one <laughs> Dead pig spines. So you know, like we 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 like to rattle off on Stu McGill a lot of the time, mm. and this is actually one of the reasons why is because a lot of this belief actually comes from these Stu McGill studies. One of which he actually had a dead pig spine and he put them in this horrible contraption, which it 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 flex and extended it back and forth, back and forth, and I think it was it was like thousands and thousands of time, like one that is an acute workload. Yeah. So you've just suddenly put the pig spine into this machine and done it. You've you've not given this pig spine progressive time to adapt. And, well, two, you can't fucking have it adapt because the, the it's a dead pig spine. Yeah, it's dead. Yeah, it's dead. Whereas, it's not. you know, humans, humans can adapt. We can adapt to it.
0: Exactly. Uh, but just so, we've got those papers there, which you said are not very good anyway. However, we've got some data here now I'd implore you to go check out the show notes after this or just have a look now while you're listening if you're not driving or whatever because this is going to be absolutely stacked with scientific papers that we've obviously gone through yeah. uh, and gone through reliable sources to get hold of um, and I mean you don't have to read them all but this is basically if, when I mention that we've got a yeah. paper here or we've got a study here I'm referring to ones we've got in the show notes so we've got a couple of papers I a quickly mention we've got one which actually shows that a greater flex spine position can actually reduce anterior shear force of the discs and as I just said a lot of the papers which, says, which say that anterior shear forces on spinal disc increase the risk of injury this is actually saying that it doesn't and this is on a live these are on live subjects and then another study found that there was no difference in spinal shear forces with different lifting styles and they looked at things like stooped lifting which is obviously bent over and squat lifted which is like the more traditional deadlift style and they found there was no difference from out uh, of two so basically from some of the papers i'm seeing here there's no correlation between the way you lift that object whether it's a deadlift bar or a box and injuries so is this to do with like a uh... Workplace safety. Now that's another one. We've, I mean, yeah. I'm not even there. We. That's, that's yeah, not really I'm not going to spoil forgotten. it. This, I'm not going to spoil it. This is this is it. But that kind um, of
1: goes hand in hand with what you've just said. <laughs>
0: yeah, the evidence is mean, out there. You mentioned a Stevie girl as well, mate. I mean, I'm be giving a bit of stick, but this is interesting. So basically. Um, so when when a, we look I showed you them pictures earlier. So when a strong man flexes like absolute a motherfucker to pick up an Atlas stone, no one says anything. Everyone's like, okay, yeah, cool, whatever, he's an Atlas stone. But then if someone does a deadlift and they the bend their bill. spine by yeah, by like three <laughs> degrees, it's fine. And uh, no, I just want to emphasize this. So Stu McGill did a study and he found that there was up to 45 degrees of lumbar flexion in a strongman lift. Um and then with other, these other studies, I mean, there's another three here, which is brilliant. So we've got uh, studies where in these studies they told people to keep a natural spine so a neutral spine keep your you know keep your body up nice and well your posture good um, and they found that even when they told these people and one of them was actually elite athletes they all of them all of them had flexion so what they had here then um, the first one was subjects were told to have a neutral spine when lifted they had a minimum of 22 degrees of lumbar flexion Stu McGill he did once when he coached to do a kettlebell swing with a neutral spine. Subjects had up to 26 degrees of spinal flexion. On a and these kettlebell are also all swing? The show notes. On a <laughs> kettlebell swing. And then obviously I said the one about the strongman with a 45 degrees. Um, and there's no issues there because... They have adapted to those positions. And that just another point I want to make there is that you can try and keep your spine as neutral as possible, and be like, yeah, but my form's good, I'm not going to get injured. But I'm just telling you now, elite athletes still had up to 22, or uh, minimum, sorry, of 22 degrees of lumbar flexion when they were trying to keep a neutral spine.
1: So when we say lumbar flexion, by the way, for the normies, we're basically just saying your lower back, which is usually one of the big fear zones, isn't it? Oh, no, you don't want to move your lower back. I mean, a couple of points just to add to that is one, I mean, wow, it almost sounds like when we think neutral, everyone kind of, you know, has variations in posture. Crazy, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I know, yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, yeah. Second,
1: <laughs> uh, the second thing I want to say is, you know, kettlebell swings as well. It shows that you actually move through lumbar flexion during a kettlebell swing. What does that tell you? You're actually going through that whilst holding the load. So you're actually actively going through flexion under load. Uh, the other thing I want to say is, you know, we do shit on Stu McGill a lot, but the thing is Stu McGill actually has some really fucking good research out there and yeah, he's yeah. actually shown us a lot on spinal biomechanics. But the problem is is sometimes like he'll he'll bring out a study and it teaches us a hell of a lot about spinal bi- biomechanics, as I just said. But sometimes he just runs away with the conclusion a little bit. It's like he'll find out what two two plus two is, but for some reason he's telling us that it means that it's a seven. Yeah. You know, and it is a shame I don't know if it's because it's a vested in interest because Stu McGill does call himself the back mechanic
0: well let's be honest mate it's money it's all about money isn't it if, if, if it
1: you know yeah. it, it, it won't I'm not going to say that is the reason but at the end of the day it does make me think you know he has built his reputation as a back mechanic you know and his whole model is based around like this biomechanical reductionism so you know mm, who knows
0: well I just want to add here if I haven't I don't think I've mentioned it yet so something I was having a discussion with another coach about was um when obviously it, as Dean mentioned the voice that I said at the start is it depends on their training age depends where they are in their how they normally lift so if for me I like to I lift I like to say I lift quite well in my deadlift form. I normally do try and keep myself at that that you know the stereotypical neutral spot as I said it probably isn't 100% neutral but I try and keep myself in that position um, and if I've got a guy I'm training with and I know he literally tends to lift like that and then he suddenly then starts doing some lifts a bit heavier than normal and then he starts to really stoop over for me that's what not, I'm not going to be like oh you're going to hurt yourself it's more of a red flag to me that maybe he's doing too much too soon because because if his form starts to break down with that heavier weight and I know he can lift with a good a good um, good technique normally then I'm like oh well why have you lost technique all of sudden and then i realize. hang on that's probably too much weight for you yeah need to maybe build up a bit more but that, that's because his goal is to, uh, to compete so when you're competing you want to lift the most efficient way possible yeah but i'm not gonna go oh my god you're gonna hurt yourself because that's not the case i mean he could probably be fine but if we're doing like a, just a simple five by five session i might be like a red flag like okay maybe we're doing a bit too much here mate we might want to
1: It's like, you know, during your chronic work, as we increase things chronically over time, you're able to stay in a similar position.
0: Yeah, you should be able to, yeah.
1: Yeah, but oh, this one set here, we've upped the weight a bit, and this one set, you look completely different this time, which goes to show me that, okay, maybe we've increased the load too soon. But you'll notice, there we're not saying that, oh, shit, he's going to hurt himself because it's it's dangerous because of the, the position he's in. But straight away, it's kind of like linked in the sense that we said, okay, well, for him to not hold that position, it shows that maybe we've loaded him too much. Yeah. Which is kind of what we actually said with Hannah, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, one, another thing I wanted to point out, the opposite side of that, is if I, there was actually uh, Tom, you sent me this, that they, uh, power powerlifter with scoliosis, like quite severe scoliosis. Oh, where he yeah, was like, you know, severely, <clears throat> severely bent over. Um, and actually, I'll get the picture on my phone while I'm talking. So he actually has severe scoliosis and he would always lift like examples, that. Examples, yeah. He, he would always lift like that and there was no issue with that. I mean, because he, he would yeah. always move in that way. So it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. I see if I could just pull the, yeah. So here's the picture, guys, for, for those of you yeah. who can see that. So that's how he lifts eight. Yes, you see how much he's...
1: One of my favourite examples I like to mention in regards to how humans can adapt, you know, even with different variations in how we're built. So that was actually Lamar Gantt. And he was the first person to deadlift five times his body weight. And he was born with severe scoliosis. Like, his back, it was just like... It was S-shaped. It was S-shaped. Straight away, his spine was... It looked fucked you know, there's another no way to say it. it was fucked. But hang on a minute, how comes he's able to pull five, five times, times his body point. weight? You know, uh, maybe it's because from day one, he was able to load in that position. So straight away, it's not because he was at, a, you know, a, a disadvantage because, oh, he's instantly going to injure himself because his spine can't stay in alignment. He had no choice. His spine was never going to be in alignment because he had severe scoliosis, you know, his spine looked like a, you know, as I said, like a the letter S. But because from day one he trained in that position, chronic workload, slowly increasing the load from day one, and always in that position, he was able to build strength on it. And maybe he was injured throughout it. Maybe most athletes do usually suffer pain and injury. It's a part of the game. I'm afraid.
0: Part of the game, yeah. When you're training, is it to intensity? do with
1: his? Uh, is it to do with his posture? I wouldn't say so. You know, he's an elite athlete. He probably did have to go a bit overboard with a load
0: sometimes. So you mentioned this a bit earlier, Tom, about manual handling. So this ne- the next bit, basically, I've wrote down here, man, manual handling training is pointless. So I'm going to back this up with some data here. So we've actually got a paper here from Daniel Sower. So, um, Occupational Interventions for the Prevention of Back Pain, Overview of Systematic Reviews. That's so, not um what about these jobs? So they've got jobs with lots of lifting and reports of back pain and off work sick with a bad back. So this is an issue in work. The reason that manual handling training was brought in because you'd have, you'd have these sort of construction type jobs where people would be going off sick with bad backs. The companies have to pay them like we can't afford to pay these people to be off sick. Why are they getting bad backs? We've already said pain is complicated. We'll probably do an episode on pain in the future. We'll try and get someone on like, um mm. what's his name? What's the guy's name? Adam Meekins. We'll probably try and get him on something like that if we can, if Please we're lucky Adam. and fortunate enough to get him on. Um, <laughs> What I'm going to do now is I'm going to read, read this paper because it's got some really important stuff on this. So, this is, as I said, uh, this, is a diff- this is a different one, by the way. Um, so, this is risk factors for low back pain and sca- uh, sciatica, an umbrella sciatica. review. So,
1: sciatica. 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 Oh. Sciatica. Sorry, we can edit it out, Bill.
0: I'll leave it in. We can edit it out,
1: Bill. <laughs> you see, <laughs> what you said, I was just doing like a villain of Saxon. Poland's Schatica. back. <laughs> Poland's it back. He never left. How's this sciatica? <laughs> it's quite good, actually. Quick, Very good. I know how to resolve this. It's the... <laughs> uh, oh, fuck, I've got the credibility my hat. The credibility hat. Exactly that. And just to add to the you know spirit of the show. Okay. <laughs> That's actually what that I hold is it on. That's rigid. Well, as I've mentioned many times, I actually got this off of Wish, and I'm pretty sure it has extra vertebra. Never bothers to the count them.
0: Ah. so this uh, paper I'm going to read out now is from uh, Patricia uh, Piera et al uh, from Patricia, 2018 it's probably Patricia
1: what the fuck is wrong with you Patricia
0: Patricia right, let's, have a re- let's, have a- right, let's have a hard reset I've obviously lost the plot <laughs> I don't know what's going on with me today I need a like, hard reset
1: this is an acute load management yeah it's an acute,
0: acute load of the podcast uh, You know, I blame? I blame it on the three hour drive I had this afternoon that's what I'm going to blame on
1: an acute um, load of driving
0: what it was, mate. So let's do this. A paper from 2018 Patricia. By, by Patricia. And I'm not even going to say the surname, so I'll probably say that wrong. No, my track record. So um, low back pain is a highly prevalent condition that is associated with significant disability and work uh, absent uh, absenteeism. So obviously, as we said, people going off work, it's obviously back pain's a massive thing. You always see people don't know benefits with back pain. And obviously, back pain is one of those things. We said pain's complicated um, and... It's one of those ones where if you say you've got back pain, it's very hard to say, like, to say that you're lying because it's very you can't, and that that's an issue you get at work. So, there's a variety of environmental and individual characteristics have been reported to increase the risk of lower back pain. To our knowledge, there's been no previous attempt to summarise the evidence from existing systematic reviews of risk factors for lower back pain or sciatica, which I said right this time. <laughs> so uh, so the study design this is an umbrella review that was carried out Um, I'll just go bang down to results there so they included 15 systematic reviews containing 134 cohort studies 4 systematic reviews were of high methodological quality and 11 were of moderate quality so it's quite good there Um, pretty deep they didn't include any shit ones Of the 54 risk factors investigated, 38 risk factors were significantly associated with increased risk of lower back pain or sciatica in at least one systematic review, and the odds ratio ranged from 1.26. I mean, that doesn't mean anything if you're not really au fait with this sort of uh, paper design. Adverse risk factors included characteristics of individuals so example older uh, older age poor general health example if they're a smoker physical stress on the spine example vibration so if you, obviously if you're in that uh, construction site obviously you've got increasing anxiety. and psychological stress example depression these things obviously can have huge impacts on things like pain the conclusion poor general health Physical and psychological stress and the characteristics of the person increase the risk for a future episode of low back pain or sciatica. So really... What they're getting at from all these reviews, it was nothing to do with the whole way of people's lifting and manual. I mean, it goes back to that. It basically supports that Daniel Sower paper, which you can read in the in the show notes about how it's nothing to do with how we're lifting and work or how we're moving and work. It's more to do with people's poor general health um, and their psychological stresses. So if you're having poor quality of job, like if you hate your job, if you're you're a bit of a mess in terms of your personal fitness, you know, you're a bit, you're you're, a bit, you're basically say you're obese, you smoke. Uh, you hate your fucking job. You wake up every day thinking this is shit. The chances are these, I mean, according to this paper, which has quite had a lot of data to go through, it links quite a lot to lower back pain because if you have a little niggle and you're going through all this shit and you don't want to be there, it's very easy just to go, fuck this. I've got lower back pain. I'm off work. Um, I mean, when we, so we keep on talking
1: about load. Now, when I hear load straight away, my bias tends to, let me just quickly move the mic. There we go. When I think about load, I straight away go straight towards the weight that's on the bar, the weight that I'm lifting. But actually, when we talk about load, there's other means to that as well, such as life workload. You know, so if acutely your, 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 your life load is increasing, well, I mean, I mean, like things like stress, depression, your sleep quality, you know, lack Kids. of sleep. Kids, yep, yeah, exactly. You know, all this stuff that kind of leads to fatigue, leads to stress, cause not just in regards to injury, but pain as well. Pain is highly, you know, dependent on social, uh, psychological um, beliefs as well, you know, or psychological factors, I should say, sorry. You know, so when we say load, we don't just mean the weight us on, on the bar. We mean there's other things that affect load in your life one being stress, depression you know stuff like that you know so it's not just like the yeah
0: yeah and I mean that paper basically said that it didn't even mention anything to do with lifting in the workplace it literally went straight down people's own personal individual health and their thing and so basically to summarise that little deadlift section all I'd say is, is that what I can see is one of the best ways to re- you know, reduce things like lower back pain is just to be how help- exercise. lift Lifting weights is great for you. I mean, So the next time you see someone with a hunched over deadlift, and especially if you're listening to this and you're a PT, don't go over there and say, oh, what the fuck are you doing? You're going to hurt yourself because the odds are you're then going to put them off wanting to do that in the future. And chances are you're wrong gonna- as well. Yeah, chances are you're wrong as well. And you'll put them off exercise. And if you're putting them off exercise, you're actually putting them at an increased risk of lower back pain instead of them just deadlifting, which would help them. So yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's the big one but I said all these papers we're not just saying this shit out of pulling out our ass we're actually back this is backed from as you see if you read the show notes it was stacked there with uh, literature
1: yeah oh yes I mean there is a surprisingly massive amount of literature you know that kind of goes against the common beliefs of you know this certain posture is bad for you whether it be under load or not with load you know
0: Uh, we'll stay on the back game here, and we'll go into posture. So, hmm. basically, hmm. the whole thing is stop hunching over your back. It's bad for you. It's bad for your back. And I always go, "Well, is it Karen? Is it is it is it is it bad for my back?" <laughs> Poor Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Karen. It's always Karen, Karen or isn't. Gary. Yeah. Um, basically, I'm, I'm just going to jump right into it. There's basically no evidence which is going to say that one posture is going to cause more pain than the other. So that question I put on Instagram was obviously a bit of a fucking bit of shit housery there. Um God. Oh, if anyone oh, listens to the. Uh, anyone listen to the peter crouch podcast they'll, they'll, they'll be aware of the term shit hours read quite a lot but it was because i said which one would cause more pain neither of them would the answer was no, there's no difference <laughs> it well, yeah. depends yeah i mean we're not saying posture can't contribute to uh yeah. pain but what we're saying is there's the no posture, blueprint that no, says that yeah. if you do this yeah. it is bad it doesn't matter what you i mean it, it honestly does not matter i mean I'm, we're looking at paper i mean let's see if we've got see what i've got here written down um basically the bottom line was is that you need to do what makes you feel comfortable as we've said numerous times already your body adapts so if you're comfortable in a sort of ever slouched over position shoulders rolled forward your body will just adapt to that and you'll feel more comfortable and as ryan said if he tries sitting up nice and so if you're watching on youtube i sit up nice and straight and proud now like this shoulders back pin and back i might feel uncomfortable because i'm not used to this and as he said it starts to it starts to hurt him because he's not because he's not used to it his body's like what the fuck are you doing to me Eventually, you just think, oh, fuck this. Oh, there we go. I'm yeah, fuck this. Yeah.
1: But then in 10 minutes, I might feel like I need to go back to this. Do you know what I mean?
0: Now, I want to I want to stress that though, Tom. So, I understand when people like work on their posture to stand upright and straight, I understand the need for it in some respect because the societal norms are if your posture is upright and you're standing straight and tall, that's associated with things like confidence, confidence leadership. Yeah. So, if you're in a leadership role and you, and you want to go, you're being told, right, you're now going to go give a speech – posture is probably quite important for your sort of societal perception but what we're saying is we're, we're looking at it from an injury and pain point of view here what yeah. we're not saying is that we're not saying posture is not important because depending on your job role or your your social bubble your posture might be important but what i'm saying is is that you being hunched over when you're on your desk or you've got you're on your phone the whole text neck bollocks um it's not it's not going to cause you any pain but at the end of the day if you if you you know if you're hunched over all the time, people might look at you and think, oh, is he all right? Is he a bit, is he a bit down in the dumps? Because societal norms are important yeah. at the end of the day. I mean, uh, posture can kind of like go off of your emotions at the time, you know? Mm, really it can closer. go
1: off your emotions and it can reflect your emotions as well. Uh, but I mean, yeah, like, I mean, the thing is like, you you know me, I, I don't believe that there's an inherently bad or dangerous posture or that's going to cause pain or injury, shoot a disc across the room, et cetera, the rest of it. But at the same time, I still have that societal bias where, like, if I see someone that is, like, you know, chest is out, shoulders are pulled back, to me, it's like it's more attractive because it is more confident. But that's not me saying, oh, pe- peacock, isn't it? Posture. Yeah, pe- peacocking. Peacocking, yeah. Which is a cue <laughs> use for deadlifting, funny enough. I'd, I'd like to kind of add to this, like, you know how you were saying, like, how, you know, if, if people, if people flex their back on a straight bar deadlift, they lose their minds. But if people, you know, pick up an atlas stone with a flexed spine, no one really cares. It's kind of like this with posture as well, as where, like, if you see someone just sitting down at their desk and they're hunched over, you know, people go fucking crazy. But if you go to the circus and you see a contortionist, you know, people say, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And people might say, yeah, but they've trained to do that. Oh, it's almost like you're saying that it's not that there's an inherently bad posture for the spine. It's almost like you're saying that, well, they've adapted to that position because they've
0: trained for it. The pennies should be dropping for the listeners by now. Exactly. And the, the, issue, the, the reason we're talking about posture importantly here is that we're obviously not saying it's not important, but you see a lot of stuff as... Oh, the reason you're probably getting shoulder pain, or the reason you're getting headaches, is because you've got poor posture, and it's like, well, no, there's no evidence to say that. You're just making it up from a what? Yeah, it's the whole biomechanical model, I think, where people yeah. look at from that like one lens where they think you're like,
1: putting too much pressure on your vertebrae, you yeah, know, and bi- like, nerve
0: endings, and yeah, it, a lot of. And I said, if if we look at the actual data, there is no correlation between any post any posture being worse than the other. We're not saying posture is not important, but we are. We're saying there's no correlation. To to repeat what we said earlier, but this time in regards to
1: posture, (laughs) we're not saying that posture doesn't matter. I thought it's not or that it's not important, but in the context of pain and injury, it's probably not as important as you think. But let's just say, you know, I'm about to get into a fight with someone. I'm gonna fucking flare my chest out. I'll still yeah, get yeah, battered, course, yeah. but I'm going to flare my chest out. Suddenly, posture matters. <laughs> if I go on a date with someone, you know, I'm not because I am somewhat happily married. Uh, I'm not even married, you know. But, I mean, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to peacock. Yeah. I'm not going to slouch over. But if someone is slouched over, you know, and they're going on a date all right, it might not look attractive because we do live in a society and do society that's not attractive, but I'm not going to be standing at the bar judging this person going, oh, they fucked this date because they're going to have a herniation before the starter arrives. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> thinking that. That that's is proper... that is the starter, the herniation onto the disc like a jelly donut. <laughs>
0: Next one we're we'll going on to then we've so we've looked we've looked at deadlifts we've looked at posture now we're going to go on to squats and we're going to bring back an old friend of ours squat you so he, the oh, whole sort of God. meme with this guy is that he expects everyone to be a perfectionist before they even touch a barbell basically but it, the the way I look at it is is the naivety to expect someone to move the same fucking way with a light load basically a PVC pipe and with a heavy and uh, heavy load is quite naive yes. If you're a fucking top athlete, the whole—I understand the whole cues of you should make your light load look the same as your heavy load. If you're doing like a clean, for example, that they say it should look the same because of your. But I mean, these are athletes at the end of the day. I mean, this, this is this is a that's a completely different ball. And even then, it doesn't always look the same because it's it's fucking pretty hard to do. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's pretty naive to think that's going to happen. Um, I mean, I look at it as well. Do you jog? This is actually from Adam Meekins—a quote from him. Actually, he says, "Do we jog the same way as we sprint?" no and they are the same movement running but one is at a higher intensity than the other and that's the same with load when you're lifting something once he- if you do a heavy heavyweight you do a lightweight you're not going to lift it the same way because it's a completely different intensity um so that, that, it, it's funny because the way he put it was the next time someone says something like that just ask them do you jog the same way as you sprint and, if, and what they're going to say they can't say yes because you don't <laughs> yeah you, you don't at all you change the way you move because you have to because you have to react to the to the different uh, stimulus but obviously it's gonna be down to numerous factors, isn't it? A lot of things like for fatigue, confidence, general ability. You might go into the gym that day full of confidence, um, so yeah, great. You might be able to lift differently. Um, you might go in there really tired, so your your squat will be poor. You might, be, you might not be able to go down to your thing. There's gonna be loads of different factors. Um, I mean, if we look at things like knee valgus, this is a big one, especially. Oh yeah. Uh, it, people see it and their jaw drops and they're like, oh, and they'll be like, someone's going to get injured like that. Someone's going to get injured. Someone's going to get injured. Um, and if most times, if someone gets injured and they do have knee valgus, they'll blame it on that. Um, and as we said, I'd go back to the whole deadlift thing with too much too soon. Uh, and if, if their knees are covered in quite a lot, once again, you could argue it's a red flag. Maybe they're doing too much. I mean, you see Tia me, world's fittest woman uh, in the CrossFit Games, she does it a lot when she does her competition cleans, but then she is competing and trying to lift as much as she can. So there's going to be a
1: form breakdown.
0: Yeah, she doesn't get injured. But if if she's doing that every training session, then yeah, that's maybe like, okay, well...
1: Because it's a sign that, you know, her load has increased to the point that her form keeps on like varying or breaking down, etc.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, we've actually got a couple of papers here. So, one from Wu et al and one from Duol or Diwali, however you want to say it. i am probably said it wrong. <laughs> uh, and the interestingly... One, yeah, looks like it. So, interestingly, they suggest that a person with more total variability when learning a movement will achieve the desired outcome uh, task faster than others with a forced movement construction so basically we're, we're essentially all normally taught is that sort of one way perfect movement pattern whenever you're taught a lift there is obviously that gold standard way you should move okay there's no denying that there's always like that, that one way that coaches will try and teach but it's actually very hard to maintain that perfect movement pattern as we said as load changes as confidence changes as your fatigue changes um, even af- i mean even elite athletes can't do this so i actually got something here so this is from one of the papers. Even elite athletes cannot re- uh, reproduce identical movement patterns after many years of training, contradicting the ideas of motor invariance. That was from Bartlett, 2017. Uh, and obviously, the first two were saying that if you have more variability in your training, you're actually going to get to your goal quicker. And that's because your body is then adapting and your tissues are becoming resilient yeah. to all these different movement patterns because you're, you're testing your body in different way. If you just stick to that rigid movement pattern, if you then have to suddenly change because you're your load's gone up a lot or your confidence you've had down those variations, date. you've built resilience Yes, yes. with different parts loaded. And that's why I like CrossFit anyway because of the fact that it's also, var- it's also varied anyway. So anything yeah. that comes my way, mate, I'm fucking hammering that shit down. But no, you know what I mean? It's um, So I get that, I'll put something down in the notes here, but what I said earlier, I get the whole thing of move the same with 20 kilos, 100 kilo. but I mean, let's be honest, it, Unless you've got a real perfectionist OCD, I mean, I know people before. I mean, I've spoken to you before. They they have this sort of OCD almost, where they like I have to move well before I move the weight up. And that's if you want to do that, that's fine. But let's be honest, like it's gonna, <laughs> it's hard to do because l- load has a huge impact on how we move. And, it, and if anything, you should just embrace the the variability in your movement pattern as you increase load. In fact, there's actually a,
1: oh, I fucking forgot to send you this, mate. But it is actually a paper out there um i can't remember what the year was or even who it was by i will have to try and find it but it was on i think it was on like youth athletes youth football athletes possibly someone along those lines and it was actually do with perfectionism on technique and the performance and it showed that high levels of perfectionism were actually correlated with more likeliness of injury which kind of does make sense to me because it means that if you're overthinking things then you're adding more acute stress, more acute workload, etc. Yes, so it, right, it yeah. does kind of make sense. Like, if you try to be too much of a perfectionist, you can actually be
0: shooting yourself in the foot sometimes. Shot sure, reminded me of that, Tom. I was doing a um, shooting yourself in a clean the foot, set. literally. I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just shoot myself with all the rangers. Yeah. but no, um, it happened. I, uh, I was doing a clean session uh, the other day, um, and it was like a I had twelve minutes to build up to a heavy double. Um, and I, the video, when I watched it back, I was moving pretty consistently throughout my, my, my posture. My posture, my technique was pretty consistent throughout from the start of the thing when I started on, I think I started on 80, went up to 110, fine. I then did 120 and I failed. And I was a bit annoyed because I knew I could lift 120. I was like, okay, fuck this. So I did it again um, and I kept trying. Uh, and I was keeping my form and technique right. And then in the end, I was like, fuck this. So I literally just walked up to the bar. Didn't even think about it, mate. I literally just ragged this cunt off the floor. <laughs> I, 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 you can see in the video. I mean, my forms are horrendous, but you can see in the video. I'm I'm, I'm evidently more hunched over. I'm evidently more hunched over, but I got the lift. Um which shows you, if you're going down that perfectionist route, the stress is going to go up because you're thinking, "Well, I'm not going to lift this now because if I can't do it properly, I'm not going to bother at all." Yeah. It's like, well, if the weight's gone up, the weight's fucking gone up. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah, it it happens, mate. It happens. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, look at like uh, powerlifters when they go for their one rep maxes. Very rarely do we see like an absolutely perfect aligned, you know, deadlift. And to be honest with you, if I do see something like that, usually the first thing I think is. They probably had a bit more, they could probably fit a bit more weight
0: on the bar, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, they could do, yeah. There, I should mean, be, look, there should be a breakdown in form if you're going for a 1RM.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% I agree with that. But the thing is, like, in regards to training in general, training in general and exercise in general, like, I don't mind if there's a bit of technique breakdown or form breakdown, but to varying degrees. I mean, like, uh, if, I, if I straight away had someone warming up, and they've got four more sets to do after their last warm up set. And each one of these warm up uh, sets is going to increase in RPE, which usually means I'm looking to increase a bit of weight on the bar. But they do their last warm up set, and straight away, form starting to break down. It's like, okay, this First is line. a sign that fucking weeds we actually deload before we've even gone up onto the higher RPEs. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's not like I'm just going to ignore it and say, yeah, keep on going. Do you know what I mean? Because straight away, it's not so much that I'm worried they're going to need themselves because of the position they're in, but because that position is breaking down, to me it says, I'm obviously loading them too much too soon. You know, they're not going to be able to recover from this. So I need to kind of, you know, scale it back a little bit. So as we're saying, we're not saying that technique and form doesn't matter, but in regards to pain injury, it doesn't matter as much as what you probably think it does. Just going to keep fucking repeating
0: that. We've got about five t-shirts from this one episode, don't we? All these, uh, all these sayings. Um, just to finish on squats, uh, I want to talk about the depth of squats as well because this is obviously a big one about depth. So I completely agree. Deeper squat will probably be a more benefit to things like gains and such because yeah. mean range we, of motion, we, yeah, range of motion increases. We we increase uh, the, the, the the muscle usage there, and that's why it's better to go depth. However, it's all about your audience, I think. So if you're telling little old John or little old Sally. They're only half squatting because they're like that's 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 as far as they can go. If you're then telling them fucking that's no rep, you squat shit. What stop doing like that? You, you you get you get these issues, and this is this is where it comes in. when You have to know your audience because like some people just cannot go. I mean, you'd rather you'd rather they do a half squat than no squat at all.
1: Exactly you know? that, mate. They're still burning strength,
0: maybe not in a full range of motion but people scoffing at these people makes them feel horrendous and they don't want to be in the gym anymore if they can't get to a full acceptable squat depth
1: whatever that means like well what are you going to do where do you go from there apart from just constantly saying to them that shit, that shit, is shit what are you going to do what you might find is just by having them do a quarter squat or well, what is strength training anyway it is also flexibility, flexibility training because yeah. you yeah. are stretching the relevant muscle groups as you're doing these movements under load You know, which might even be better than static stretching most times, you know. But I mean, um, at the end of the day, when we talk about form uh, and technique, etc., and depth, you know, it's all very arbitrary, but it's depending on the specific goal in mind. So for a powerlifter, the crease of their hip needs to drop below the top of their kneecap. You know, they don't need to go arse to grass, but they can drop below. A basketball player... I would still have them doing full range of movement squats, but they might find quarter squats because it's, you know, mimicking jumping, you know. Yeah. For someone that actually, for whatever reason, let's say someone actually does have knee pain when they squat a certain depth, then I might say, okay, we'll just cut it short before then, you know. And eventually if their symptoms start to disappear. Okay, well, can we go a centimetre lower now? You know, stuff like that.
0: We need to remove this whole, like, almost like there's one way we perception. should do yeah. things you know like you see in a gym like it's all you're in a gym but someone might be in the corner you have no idea who they are you have no idea what they what their life is about and you'll see them and you'll go that's uh, not a real yeah. squat it's like what do you mean that's not a real squat like, Why? Have you, do you know what they're going through do you know as you said if what if they have knee pain when they go down too deep they might be <laughs> i'm so glad you brought this up uh and because the thing is i've actually had this situation at work recently
1: oh, now i've got to tread juicy. carefully here because i know that i may actually have people from work listening to this particular episode. But people kind of dragging me saying, like, um, can you see that guy in the squat rack over there? Look at him. Look, look, look at his of Motion. I was I just kind of like listen to him for a little bit. And I completely just went against the ground. I said, look, at the end of the day, we don't
0: know why he's doing that. One, he might just be learning the movement, you know we We might wake up after grass yeah actually that's a lie that's a a lie you do wake up after grass because when you come out the womb and you're a child you can squat quite deep actually that's another point we haven't even fucking mentioned that we haven't even mentioned the whole children and squatting thing oh
1: god yeah like this whole thing about oh have you seen a baby squat it's absolutely perfect well one babies are fucking anatomically built different to us in the sense that they have (laughs) a massive head they are basically a funko (laughs) pop figure you know their center of gravity is completely different it's a lot easy for a baby to squat than an adult human being um but you know like uh yeah going back to it like i was kind of listening to my colleagues pretty much form shameless guy which to be honest with you i'm really disappointed in him doing that and like i actually i just i just go both battles said, look we don't know what's going on he might have an injury you know he might have mobility issues currently he might be working on his depth we his know, coach might be Joel Seedman. His coach may be Joel seedman <laughs> All we know, that is 90 degrees for him. You yeah. know, we, we, we just don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. People could be you training through pain. So, you, you know, everyone's squat depth and their form is dependent on their specific goal, which is kind of like what you said, what Dean said earlier on. Do you know what I mean? Technique and form does matter but it depends you know in regards to pain and injury maybe not as much as we think by the way we're not saying it doesn't matter at all but what we are saying is probably doesn't matter as much as what you think because for sure some people certain movements might actually exasperate their injury or cause pain you know but just maybe not as much as what you think but yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i had to kind of get that out there
0: Do you know what We need some. I, th- I think I need to get back on the blow with a uh, trident or something, and maybe get some. I think you know the t-shirts we're wearing now. So if you can't see them, actually, I'm actually wearing it today. The chat shirt, get a fit t-shirt. You see it there? So actually oh, I do see today. that. That looks lovely. Right, quite So what I'm thinking, mate, would be great is if we if we get some new ones of these, but on the back it says it depends, but with like little speech things. It depends. It depends because we said so. Old. I think that'd be a great t-shirt. But what you
1: can do is get it where, You know, you get it like a little shirt pocket, and sometimes you get a ah, yeah. hidden thing. Where it just says it depends, but inside the pocket. So next time someone asks you something, you just go. Let's pull it out. I've got the secret right here in my pocket, and you just pull it out and it just goes, "It depends." And you just depends. pull it back up. There you go. The secret was in your pocket
0: the whole time. The answer to everything. It was. It was. <laughs> um, guys, if you do want, if you do want one of these uh, these podcast T shirts, I mean, we've only got on for us at the moment. But if you do, if you are interested, in one, I'm sure. Just I can speak go to, to the Primark.
1: Um, uh, buy Buy like a OD green shirt and uh, get like a big black marker pen and just trace it
0: or send us an email and we can sort you out Um, that's that's, the alternative times are tough (laughs) while it's tight Uh, I think I saw a couple of other little topics I wanted to mention. These these are sort of like little extras I wanted to basically go along with the whole thing of it depends and it depends on your goal. So, in terms of form and technique, another big one that sort of we didn't want to, I didn't need to go too much detail was kipping pull ups, after proper pull ups. <laughs> oh yeah. So we we spoke about this on the CrossFit episode. If you haven't heard that, we've we've done a couple of ourselves in CrossFit now. Um, but this once again goes to the whole good and bad form. It is goal fucking specific. I'll just say this. I'll just quickly summarise this. If you're in the sport of CrossFit and they te- and you want to win and they tell you the standard of the pull-up is to get your chin above the bar, you are going to do that in the most efficient way as Which possible. Which means using momentum. Yes, but if you're in a CrossFit gym and it's your first week and the coach tells you to do kipping pull-ups day one week one, he's a fucking idiot because you should be doing strict first to build resiliency build, in build the shoulder yeah. joint. And then once you've got that core uh, foundational uh, strength and that resiliency, as Tom just said there, built, then you can start maybe doing kipping if you want to compete. But at the end of the day, the issue is people see the sport, as we've mentioned before, and they think that is fucking... Same with powerlifting, the arched back bench press. People see that and they think... That's not a real bench press. They look at their fucking arch on their back. The standard is to touch the bar on the fucking chest.
1: (laughs) I had this discussion uh, with another colleague the other day, and I had to kind of explain them why they do that. Now, look, there's a couple of reasons why some might do that. One, if it's powerlifting, the bigger the arch, then it actually shortens the range of motion. So for them, the idea is to... So powerlifting rules is literally just to get the bar to the chest, then get it back up. The more you can arch your back, the more your chest rises, which means that you actually shorten the distance between the bar touching the chest. Now, listen, I fully understand it it does get to a point where some of the arches look so ridiculously over the top that the barbell maybe moves half an inch. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: it's funny. It's funny to
1: see, yeah. It is a bit... I don't know if I feel 100% comfortable with it because then it becomes less about, oh, it's it's now a strength competition. It's more about a competition of who can fold themselves up into a shrimp. You
0: know, yeah, I don't agree with it either. I don't agree with it, but yeah. I don't think it's... I'm not going to have a go at people for doing it. I'm not going to have a go
1: because technically they're still going yeah, the rules. Yeah, it's a sport.
0: It's just it's the rules um, of the sport. I mean. The
1: second one is just having an arch in general, I recommend. The reason being it is it makes you more stable. F- feet on the floor your bum is on the bench and then you've got that arch and your upper shoulders your upper back is pressed into the well, bench well i
0: always do this so when i sit down yeah. like, i always bring my shoulder blades in a bit like that and then i yeah i do that myself in and, it, and i get i get myself, you bring your feet back a little baby you get on your toes or whatever it is and you do that you, you feel stable you feel solid You know, the reason being is that if you have an
1: arch in your back then it forces your shoulder blades into the bench Mm. Now, don't get me wrong, you can just have your upper back on the bench, but there's a difference between having your upper back on the bench and having your shoulder blades forced into it, which makes you a bit more stable. If you were just to lie completely flat backed, now your upper back might just be touching the bench, but technically your shoulder blades would be rolling forward. What that arch does is it basically forces your shoulder blades into the bench, which helps with stability, you know. And um, I, I know there's certain Instagrammers at the moment that say, "Oh, you shouldn't, you know, pull your shoulder blades back into the bench press because they're our biomechanical jargon." Um, they can just fuck off. Quite frankly,
0: <laughs> I think the way we're just basically summarises that is that our bodies. Are very very clever and very very resilient, and we can adapt in so many weird and wonderful ways. As Tom said earlier, look at a fucking contortionist; they fold themselves into a fucking pretzel, and they're fine. We can do anything if we want to move in a certain way, as long as you do it in a progressive way, then you will be fine. The problem is when you try and do something acutely; that's when you're going to get issues. So any of these movements, keeping pull-ups, GHD sit-ups, where you have got like that hyperextension of the spine, things like that. If they look mental, you probably think that's gonna injure you. Yeah, it will if you do a hundred of them, day one, week one. <laughs> I mean look, do you think a contortionist just woke up one day and
1: said, you know what, I'm gonna fucking just do this, <laughs> down I go. That picture you showed of the guy lifting the uh, Atlas Stone, so that's actually Alan Frau from um Alan Froul, sorry, from Untamed Strength, who's actually one of my favourite people to go to for lifting cues. You know, do you think that he one day just woke up and said, Yeah, I'm gonna pick up the heaviest Atlas Stone I could fucking find? No. Over time, they progressively overloaded, you know, all in various different positions. Lamar Gant, the guy who had severe scoliosis, he didn't just wake up one day and say, yeah, I'm going to pull five times my body weight over time. Even though he had what is socially unacceptable in regards to what we consider to be perfect alignment of the spine, you know, he progressively overloaded. Do you see where we're kind of going with here? I mean, I would like to kind of go on a bit of a tangent to try and explain this and summarise a bit more if you want to pull up a sandbag. And this is kind of what we spoke about the other day. Safety's off. Safety's off. Now, I first of all, let's rewind all the way back here. I know that this is a highly emotional topic for a lot of people. This is one of the most highly ingrained like beliefs amongst the general public and especially Especially personal trainers. The vast majority of personal trainers are going to tell you you should not be flexing your spine, shouldn't be extending it, perfect alignment, perfect this, perfect that, etc, etc, etc. Let's put it this way. When you drop your car keys and you go to pick them up, do you do a perfect squat to pick them up? Do you do a perfect hinge hip pattern to pick them up? A perfect deadlift? chances are you do what is known as a Jefferson curl, which is something we've not fucking really even mentioned on the podcast so far, you know. Um, chances are you just kind of like round your back, just pick it up, you don't even think about it. Okay, I can probably understand that you're now thinking, well, hang on a minute, that's just a set of car keys, that weighs nothing. You know, a set of car keys and a 200-kilo you know barbell, two totally different fins. Well, straight away, the penny should be starting to drop by now it's almost like you're saying well it's not so much the movement that's dangerous it almost sounds like it's the load that matters okay what about um picking up uh your shopping bags with a flex spine is that inherently dangerous no why oh because it's uh you know still a light load okay what about let's say eddie hall who was one of the world's most strongest men britain's uh you know strongest man if he's loading up plates onto a barbell do you think he picks up a 20 kilo plate with complete, perfect, optimal spine deadlift form? Or do you think he just kind of bends over, stoops over, almost like an Atlas stone pickup, and just picks up a, you know, not even like an Atlas stone, he just picks, he just bends the fuck out of his spine and picks up a 20 kilo plate and slams it onto the barbell, you know? But then people are probably going to say, well, yeah, well, that's Eddie Hall, you know, he's like super strong, he's like UK strongest man. Of course he can handle it. Once again, the penny should be dropping here. It's almost like I'm trying to say here. Well, Eddie Hall can handle that because he's strong. That's a light load for him. Do you see what I'm getting at here? It's not so much that it's a certain form
0: load, as so you know, like I said at the start. The forget, forget good form, forget bad form. Think of it as good load and bad load, and that that's that's, that's literally it at this point. It's, it's all yeah. to do with load management. Exactly. It's to do with
1: resiliency at the end of the day. Have you gradually adapted to this different movement? I mean, yeah, something I keep mentioning, uh, sorry, something I've just mentioned was the Jefferson Curl. If you've not seen a Jefferson Curl before, go and YouTube it. A Jefferson Curl is like a deadlift, except you take the, the, the hinge pattern out of it and you actually just curve your spine. You're moving under load. And that's why the other things, moving under load, okay if we're going to pick up with a flex spine it's okay as long as we don't actually start moving whilst we're under that load once again i disagree with that the jefferson curl shows that we can actually move with like whilst flexing and extending our spine you know as long as we kind of build up and adapt to it once again it's not to do with the position it's to do with the load it is to do with the load you know now don't get me wrong we are not saying that technique and form doesn't matter as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast I would not be teaching a deadlift workshop and a squat workshop if I believe technique and form didn't matter so first of all like well what is the difference between form and technique are those kind of like interchangeable um I'd say they're very similar I mean it's a bit hard it's a bit hazy um so when you think of form I think of how the movement is actually performed in regards to the muscle groups it targets, let's say, that's what I would say it is, I think it's a bit subjective. I don't even know. It's like an actual cry, official criteria yeah, for you. Closely links. Aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Technique is when you perform a, well, a technique that allows you to be more efficient at the mm. task. Yeah. I'd agree. With that. Yeah. yeah. So if, like, let's, if I've got like a bodybuilder or I have a female client that says, look, Tom, I want to get a, you know, nice booty, you know. I I I I wanna I want to tone my glutes. I want to tone my bum, you know, the old toning, you know, which personal trainers love to throw out, toning their bum, you know. Toning's a fucking shit word to use, by the way. And if your personal trainer's is still saying toning, then something's gone seriously fucking wrong down the line. But straight away, <clears throat> let's say I get them onto deadlifts because it is a glute exercise, it is a hip dominant exercise. Now, the problem is this person keeps on picking up with an overly flexed spine and not really using their hips. Well, considering their goal is to, you know, build the glutes, I want them to somewhat have a bit of a flat back because I want most of the movement coming from the glutes. So straight away, technique does matter. Form does matter for this person, not because it's about in, like reducing injury risk, or mitigating it but it's to do with their goal if they're lifting reflects the spine and taking the glutes out of it it goes against their goals at the end of the day ah, but let's say <clears throat> and this is where the applications of this becomes pretty important in having this attitude towards form and technique as i said i did a workshop today and i had people with all different skill sets if straight away I had So I only had them lifting 30 kilos, which is nothing. Absolutely nothing. First couple of sets they were doing, their backs were all over the place. They was flexed. They was here. They was there. Straight away, if I was to jump on them and start over-coaching them, one, I'm going to put that fear into their head. And two, I'm just going to over-complicate for them. So what I actually did was I I, I, I launched their form. And it was like, okay, they're not straight struggling with form here because you know the, the bar's too heavy it's just that it's a strange movement for them so I'll just let them continue I let them continue let them finish their set okay cool now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna tweak it a little bit just so we can make you more efficient at the lift so what I'll do is I'll start saying okay let's flatten your back here because I want most it is a deadlift at the end of the day I want most of the movement to come from the hips so let's take the, the the upper, you know, let's take the flexion out of the spine a little bit here in the upper part at least. Let's uh, you know go for the older, what the fuck was I saying before, like the peacock chest etc. Because I don't want them to, I don't want them to rely <coughs> on their upper back bending back and forth because I want most of the movement to come from the hips. However, at no point was I making it out that look as soon as this happens it's bad because it's going to hurt you etc. If their form breaks down a little bit, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. If it's so dramatic to the point that it's like, okay, I understand this is happening because, you know, it's a load issue, then that's when I'll start being a bit more on the ball with it and saying, look, I think we need to kind of like drop the load here and just like uh, tweak this and tweak that. If, as I said earlier, it was do- I'm, I'm teaching this exercise very specifically because I want them to target a certain muscle group, then certainly form is going to matter a lot more because I want them to be targeting their glutes. And if they're not really hinging at the hips and they're doing it mostly from their upper back, then that means that they're not fucking hitting their glutes effectively enough. So as I said, technique and form does matter, but maybe just not in the context of injury as much as what people think. But at the same time, I might get a client where if they go to a certain squat depth, it's a bit painful. Okay, in regards to pain injury, maybe this time technique and form does matter a bit, in which case I'll just adjust it. But I don't think it's because that 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 same form, that same technique, that same squat depth isn't going to pass on to every single person. We're not all cut from the same blueprint. Everyone's this in, different, yeah. Exactly. But this one individual, it might matter for them. Doesn't mean that it's going to happen for every. It's, it's going to be the exact same for every single other person in the gym, you know. And one thing we've not really touched on, mate, in regards to pain, is the biopsychosocial model. Uh, which is, you know, we kind of went... Yeah, that's another episode we went into. That's another
0: episode itself, yeah.
1: Uh, I think we kind of touched on it on the placebo and nocebo Yeah, we've, uh, we,
0: we've mentioned that a few times, yeah. So we if have, you want we to have, kind
1: of know more about that, go back and listen to that. But basically the gist of that is one of the things that does influence pain is our beliefs, which can be affected by people's language. So straight away, if you're telling people that's bad for your back, you're going to injure yourself by doing that. Actually, you're part of the problem because you're actually changing people's perceptions from day one.
0: It's been a been a good episode. I hope people have en- enjoyed that. We've um, gone to some depth. I just want to finish up by we've we've spoke quite a lot about um, sort of progressively overloading and adapting to things. So there's something else you can adapt on, and that is caffeine. Um, if you listen to our if you listen to our coffee Fuck, episode I, before, oh, yeah, fucking hell. Tom Tom acutely dosed himself with caffeine and set himself into a situation where he could see he could see sound. Um, so you do need to you do need to progressively in caffeine, but what we what he did have was was uh was Cannibal Coffee. So, all jokes aside, we, uh, we've got a great coffee sort of partnership. Where if you uh, head over to CannibalCoffee.co.uk. Uh, and you use the code PRIMAL10, and that's uh, 10 is numericals, uh, you will receive 10% off your order. And we also get like a little something back so it can sort of help us towards the running cost of the podcast. So at the moment, that's kind of the only way people can sort of support the podcast if that's what you want to do. We're not that bothered really. But it's good coffee as well. It's really, I mean, I use it as pre-workout. Tom uses it to see sounds. Um, <laughs> but as we said, ca- ca- caffeine once again, start light. If you do get some coffee from these guys and you get the maximum charge one, be careful of your dosing. Because if you acutely dose with that shit, you will fucking... It will get you... It will get you... Yeah.
1: It's all about progressive workload, really, mate. Sorry, progressive overload.
0: Little scoop at a time, and then, yeah, you get that buzz, and you'll be lifting some... uh, You'll be doing some serious some serious trading. But, I mean, yeah, you've actually just reminded me I do actually need to
1: order my next batch. uh, Because I actually like to take that just before my boot camps on Tuesday mornings. Because those are at 7.30. But I've already been on shift... For an hour yeah. and a
0: half by then. So technically... Mate, I hear every morning. Every morning I have a, I have a cannibal maximum charge. Well, the thing is not like... Every morning, is when I train, obviously, not when I'm the, not doing anything.
1: The, the boot camp is the one time where I generally get to absolutely fuck people up, you know? So I want to go in there fully maximum charge, literally. So yeah, I've maximum got to get on the older uh, coffee. But I mean, look, to, to summarise this episode, form and technique, um, I don't think it can be summarised as good or bad maybe just, and this depends on the person, it depends on their goals, maybe it could just be clarified as more efficient and less efficient form. Yeah. But there's no one simple blueprint that says that you have to move this way. Because another thing we missed out on is that we all have different limb lengths, you know. During my workshop today, I had one person where when they deadlifted, they was completely parallel to the ground. Another person had their chest up a little bit more. Because we all have different anatomical builds at the end of the day. We are not all cut from the same blueprint despite what people fucking say.
0: Yeah, no. absolutely. So guys, if anyone's got any comebacks to anything we've said today um, or you, you know you want a bit more information, uh, please get in touch. Obviously, I said in the show notes, there'll be an abundance of information you can sort of dive into. But if you want just a quick one-word answer, just get in touch. Our Instagrams are also linked in the show notes as well as the podcast email, which we're happily to um, reply to on that as well. So yeah, I think that's... Um, We'll wrap up this week. It's so been quite a good one, nice long one, 90 minutes of uh, from good, some real good educational talk. As I said, last couple of weeks, has been quite, uh, it's been a bit of a fun, is not it? We've had chat with PTs, we had our best bit special, we just basically had a laugh for a fucking two hours. So this week, we've kind of gone back to it with science-heavy episode uh, to hopefully get get you uh, get your minds working a bit. So yeah, it's been a pleasure as always and I'll speak to you all again very soon. Good night.
1: Double salute. Made that up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See you later. As always, thanks for listening. We hope this episode has broken down your perception of good and bad form, technique and posture, and perhaps you'll be a bit more open-minded to all going forward. Remember, if you've got any comebacks at all, please get in touch via either our Instagrams or the email link down the show notes. We're really open to discussion. Maybe we'll even get you on for more of a debate if that's what you want to do just a reminder about Cannibal coffee then so if you want to support the podcast in some small way the best way to do that right now is to grab yourself some powerful great tasting coffee from CannibalCoffee.co.uk. a link for this will be down in the show notes at checkout use the code primal 10 and you'll receive 10 percent off your order plus we get a little something back which does help towards the running costs of the podcast we truly do appreciate all the support we see through various messages that get sent in and of course you guys getting stuck into this coffee So we will see you next week, same time, same place for a brand new episode. See you soon.